You're now listening to the Fantasy Filler Podcast. Where we put you in the driver's seat every week, all year long. In the NASCAR racing world, from top news stories, latest results, and best fantasy lineups, we'll have you up to speed and out in front before the drop of the green flag. So let's dive in with our host, Vanilla Wafers. We just got done with the second points paying weekend here of the 2023 season in NASCAR as we were able to see both the Cup Series and the Xfinity Series duke it out at Fontana, better known as Auto Club Speedway. It will be the last race at the two-mile racetrack. We had a driver move on over to a new team, getting a victory and starting off his legacy with a brand new team. And also we had a Truck Series driver moving up into the Xfinity Series already claiming a win. All those races will be talked about here today on... The Fantasy Filler Podcast. I hope you guys really did enjoy the race weekend as actually it was more of race day as unfortunately we were not able to get any race activities on both Friday and Saturday due to snow in the area. Not just rain, snow. It's been a wacky, wacky weather season for the West Coast. Believe me, I know I'm at the West Coast and even today it's snowing. When I go down to Las Vegas next week, uh, it's going to be in the nice 60s, and then I'm going to go back up to more snow where I'm at. So it's just been unbelievable weather, but thank goodness that the NASCAR gods were able to clear up the weather for just one day, and it was Sunday. Uh, There were some ups and downs from that. I think the biggest down was the simple fact that there was no practice in qualifying, which affected some cars in the Cup Series. We will talk about that. And as well, it pushed the Xfinity Series till after the Cup Series race, which kind of affected a few drivers who were going to run the Xfinity race as a bit of a practice. Well, they did get the practice, but they got it with the Cup Series. So (laughs) a lot of interesting things we're going to talk about here. But the biggest thing to talk about first before we dive into the final results is why are they deciding to move away from the two-mile racetrack. Now, this is just a very unfortunate thing. So, as you guys are well aware, Auto Club Speedway will not return to the Cup Series schedule until 2025. And based on the proposals, it's either going to be a half-mile racetrack or two-thirds of a mile racetrack. Basically, being the fourth short track on the Cup Series schedule, if you do not count North Wilkesboro, since it's an all-star race. The situation that happened here was this proposal... And shortening up the track has been in place, I think, since 2019, maybe even 2018, 2019 for sure. And the plans was to start redesigning the track around 2020, 2021. Well, COVID happened, which delayed everything, especially in the state of California. And this was during the time during the Gen 6 era. And if you guys remember the Gen 6 era, short tracks, it was so much fun to watch with those cars, but intermediate tracks were atrocious. They tried to do everything. Sure, there was a good race there in 2013 with the Gen 6 car, but other than that, nothing really popped out as far as Auto Club Speedway and the NASCAR Cup Series. And unfortunately, they weren't going to change this plan. It was already going through. And now we move on over to the next gen cars, which have just provided just spectacular racing at large intermediate tracks and mile and a half tracks. So it's just a really bad situation here that there's not much we can really do. And now we're going to have to just (laughs) pray for the fact that the next gen car does figure out how to race on short tracks because last year it struggled at Richmond. It struggled at Martinsville. Bristol was just crazy both times. Of course, once the dirt race, 
But hopefully they figure stuff out over there because the last thing we want to do is replace a good race with a really bad race. That's always going in the wrong direction, and we definitely don't want that to happen. But here during this weekend, we had some action-packed racing for the Cup Series and the X-Fandy Series. I think we're going to do the same thing as we did last week. We'll start with the lower series, move on up, except this time the... Xfinity Series start after the Cup Series race. We're still talking about the Xfinity Series race first. We'll talk about the ups and downs here for this race. So without further ado, here is the biggest takeaways for the Production Alliance Group 300. All right, so as mentioned earlier, this race was postponed till Sunday night due to the weather, so we were not able to get practice in nor qualifying. It was just a straight race for them, and that's unfortunate for two drivers, the number 99 of Garrett Smithley and the number 74 of Ryan Vargas, as they didn't get an opportunity to even qualify for this event. So they will try again at Las Vegas. Looks like there's going to be no problems with the weather down at Las Vegas. As of right now, you know how Nevada weather is. It can change in an instant. Let's just hope that doesn't happen in this situation. This race saw 23 lead changes amongst nine different drivers, and we had 10 cautions for 41 laps in a 150-lap event, so about 30% percent of the race was ran under caution but we still got really good racing and what a great performance here by the top 10 let's first start off with the driver who won the race is Third win here in the X-Fandy series. How about the number 20 of John Hunter Nemechek? He makes the move on up into the X-Fandy series with Joe Gibbs Racing. Says it's the biggest opportunity he has ever had to win races. And he is already in victory lane by the second race. Almost won the Daytona event as well. Just came up just a few inches short. He led 49 laps in the race. Uh, got quite a few stage points. And he was definitely the most dominant driver here in this race. There was a few drivers who competed against him. But in the end, he was the strongest driver great performance I see a lot of good things happening for this 20 car for the 2023 season and they're already locked into the playoffs unless we get more than 12 winners and something happens to that 20 car more than likely though he's locked in at this point big up for the number 20 big up for Joe Gibbs racing because they looked really strong here in this race let's talk about his partner Sam uh, Sammy Smith in the 18. Unfortunately, he did not get the finish that he wanted, which was kind of an injustice. He got spun out with about, I think it was 16 laps to go. He got caught up in someone else's business, and unfortunately, it took him out. But he had a really, really strong run here in this race, finished 19th overall. Keep an eye on this kid. There's a reason why they signed him on full-time. It's not just the sponsorship. He did really good last year in his part-time schedule. And the way he was running, he was one of the only drivers who could keep up with that number 20 machine there near the end. So damn shame that he was not able to get the finish that he deserves. But still, you got to give a lot of credit to that number 18 car of Sammy Smith as he was the top running rookie here in this race. A driver who did not get a good finish and it was really... A uh, big bummer was the number 24 of Tyler Reddick, as well as the number 9 of Brandon Jones, and the double zero of Cole Custer. Let's talk about Tyler Reddick. Tyler Reddick had himself an okay race. He was driving for Sam Hunt Racing in their secondary car. So not the strongest car, but we've seen this car run strong before. I, if you guys remember, John Hunter Nemechek would run a few races here and there for the team. And he did got some really good results. He mostly ran around the top 15 in this race, didn't really have anything going, and then got taken out by the number 8 car, who we'll talk about here in a bit. 
and he was never able to recover. Finished two laps down this race, and he's credited with the 36th position. So rough turnout for Tyler Reddick. He had both himself a bad cup race and a bad Xfinity Series race. Just wasn't good for him at the two-mile racetrack. The number nine of Brandon Jones, he was another driver who just didn't have any luck here in this race. I do believe he got into an accident by himself in uh, turn number four on right around lap number 87, which really took him out of contention here in this race. There's a lot of stress for him jumping into that number nine car. We know how strong that number nine car was in the past, and this is a big deal for him. This is kind of his make or break. He's been with multiple teams. Now he's with potentially the strongest team ever in the X-Fandy series. So there's a lot of pressure on his shoulders. We saw this with multiple drivers in the past. Josh Berry is one to remember. Hey, he had a rough start to his X-Fandy series career, as well as a lot of drivers who were running that number 18 car last year on a part-time basis. They were doing everything they could to get good finishes. But in the end, it winded up being a little short for them. Hopefully that's not the same case for Brandon Jones, but he finishes 33rd overall in this race. Just not a good finish for him and the double zero of Cole Custer man it was such a good race for him he won both stage one stage two if there was anyone who was going to be able to beat Joe Gibbs racing here in this race it was going to be that double zero car led 46 laps and unfortunately on a restart he runs into the wall and Austin Dillon slams into the back of him at on lap number 92, right there near the end, and he was never able to recover. Finishes 27th overall in the race. I expect good things to come out of this driver as well. I mean, we know that Cole Custer is very talented in the Xfinity Series. I think at one point he won seven races in a season, and that's why he got to move on up into the Cup Series. Fortunately, just didn't pan out in the Cup Series, but now coming back down here, he was able to win at this race last year, and I'm pretty sure there's going to be plenty of other races where he's a contender. It's just, unfortunately, a bad restart for him cost him an opportunity to be a contender here in this race. Another up overall in the race was the fact that some drivers ran to some problems in the middle or the beginning of the race, and they were able to bounce back. At one point, Sheldon Creed spun on the back straightaway, almost ran headfirst into the wall, has the save of the decade. The last time I saw a save that good was back with Bobby Labonte in one of the Daytona qualifiers in the number 71 car. Just look up that save. It's an incredible save, and this one is almost a carbon copy. He did touch the wall at the end, but overall kept the car in good shape, and he was a front runner throughout this entire race. He was able to... Uh, get stage points in both the stages, be able to run near the front near the other drivers as well as his teammate Austin Hill, who's kind of the representative of RCR down the Xfinity Series at this point. It was just unfortunately he got caught up in an incident there near the end, the same one that took out uh, Sammy Smith's opportunity to win the race. So that's why he finished back in 23rd. But you got to give credit to him. Just bouncing back and being that close to run up front, it just unfortunately did not pan out. Oh, by the way, he also led 15 laps. Another driver who ran to some problems but bounced back was Justin Allgaier. He, at one point, he went one lap down in the race, was able to bounce back and get stage points in stage two when he was just a lap down at the beginning of the stage, lead eight laps, and finish third. So great bounce back for Justin Allgaier. It's always great to watch him run near the front because he's always going to put on a show. And he almost pulled it off here in this race. And Austin Dillon, he was a driver who got some damage in the in the race. He was driving the number 10 car for Colleague Racing, and he looked like his night was done. He was in that incident with Cole Custer. He's still able to bounce back and get a top 10. So 
definitely a good race for a lot of drivers to bounce back from when it really felt like it was not going to happen for a lot of them. It, it felt like their day was done. But just the way this track runs, it was just unbelievable. And and throw Kaz Grala in there, another Sam Hunt racing car. He, I think at one point on a restart, just fell all the way to the back, had some problems. I can't remember if it was a mechanical problem or had a flat tire. Still able to bounce back on the lead lap and finish 13th. That was just the way this race was. If you were if you were struggling at the beginning, there was still a chance you could come back in the end. And I always love those types of races, especially here in the Xfinity Series where drivers can prove to themselves when their back is against the wall, they can still move their cars up to the front. Another down this race, got to give it to the number eight of Josh Berry. He was able to finish fifth overall in this race, but he was involved in a lot of incidents and most to all of them was his fault. Let's first start off with Sheldon Creed. Sheldon Creed, the reason why he goes into the wall and spins out on the back straightaway is because Josh Berry moves on down. Yes, Sheldon Creed blocked him, but he, he also turned down a little bit too late. Like he, the contact was already being made when he made his way down to the inside. So that's one incident. And then he also caused the incident with Tyler Reddick. He goes up the wall and just straight smashes that 24 car. Nowhere even close to being clear. And there's just, it's just a bad look. I don't know if you blame the spotter on that one or the driver himself. It could be a little bit of both. But that was just a really bad move on Josh Berry's part. And to upset a Cup Series driver, never really a good thing. And unfortunately, we saw that here in this race. As Tyler Reddick, if he was able to get back to him, you know he was going to pay back his revenge. And then I do believe he was also caught up in that last incident. I don't think he spun out in that incident, but he was still involved in it in some way, somehow. So it was just a really bad race overall as far as making friends on the racetrack. Still able to get a top five, but he definitely didn't make any friends or give himself any help going into Las Vegas. And then the last up we should talk about is the drivers with smaller teams who were able to get some great finishes. Brett Moffitt in the 25 car. Overall, great race for Brett Moffitt and the brand new team from the Truck Series moving on up into the Xfinity Series AM Racing. Uh, This was announced probably a few weeks before the Daytona 500 uh, weekend that the 25 car was going to be entered into the Xfinity Series and already a top 10. And not just a top 10, uh, he was running around in the seventh position for a long time in this race. So definitely a shout out to that team, uh, showing that one, Brett Moffitt deserves to be in a ride in the Xfinity series. He does have a lot of talent. And two, the move on up uh, at this point has been the right decision. And then in 10th place, we had the number 48 of Parker Kligerman. He actually had some mechanical problems before the race started. Luckily, it got delayed, so they were able to look at it. And he comes back. Win stage points in stage one, win stage points in stage two, and finishes in the top ten. Parker Kligerman deserved a ride for a very long time. I always talked about him so highly when he was with Henderson Motorsports in that 75 truck. And this is the reason why. This is not top equipment. It's decent equipment, but not top equipment. And he's able to finish in the top 10 and run around there the whole time. Great job for these drivers here. I I mean, when you're a small team like these guys, I think these are both single car teams. You need good finishes like this. And they were able to deliver. Let's go through the rest of the top 10 before we move on to the next race. As John Hunter Nemechek was your winner, you had Sam Mayer finish second. Very, very close, still trying to get his first win. Justin Allgaier, great bounce back to third. Chandler Smith, 
the top finishing rookie, finished fourth. Then you had Josh Berry in fifth, Austin Hill in the 21 in sixth, the 98 of Riley Herbst in seventh, the number 10 of Austin Dillon was able to finish eighth, and then Brett Moffitt and Parker Kligerman were able to finish ninth and tenth. And then some noticeable drivers to close it out, Ross Chastain, he was running in this race, he finished 24th overall in that number 91 machine. You also had Cole Custer, as we talked about, he finished 27th. Then you got Timmy Hill moving on up here into the Xfinity Series running with NBM Motorsports, he finished 32nd. We just got to talk about Timmy Hill. Everyone loves Timmy Hill. And Tyler Reddick, he gets caught up in the wreck and he finishes 36, two laps down. Only driver not able to finish the race was Greg Galding. He is out on lap number 26 due to an accident and he is credited with the 38th position. Overall, a really fun race. You got a lot of action up front and in the middle. It was just unfortunate that this race was delayed and you saw that the attendance was low and the viewership was low, but that's just what's going to happen when you have a delayed race and you don't have the main sh- main event on last. It's just not going to bring in the people and viewership as you wish. So memorability-wise, I don't think it's going to be way up there, but competitive-wise, it was still a really fun race. Now let's move on to the big event. This was the one that happened beforehand. It started on time. We were able to run all the laps, and we're all thankful for it. So let's talk about the Paula Casino. 400. Uh, I'm not going to be too excited about talking about this one. Not because of who won and who ran well in the race. It was because of a lot of the fantasy picks that we talked about on Friday where we felt so confident didn't really pan out and it was quite a shocker. So I'm going to be talking about this race and talking about the takeaways, but also being a little apologetic throughout it. So we had 36 cars here on the entry list. Only the charter cars run in this uh, race. It's usually that's how the West Coast is. I think they might have an open charter car at Phoenix, but for now, we're going to see 36 cars at both this race and Las Vegas. We had 28 lead changes amongst 13 different drivers, a lot of action going up up front and also multiple drivers drivers who were able to score stage points and then we had eight cautions for 38 laps so it wasn't just a green ran event we had um, a few incidents here and there in the end though a driver who made the move on over to a new team after being with one for over 15 seasons Kyle Bush with Richard Childress Racing is able to score his first win of 2023 and able to keep his consecutive seasons of getting victories ongoing. And he now holds the record for most consecutive victories. Just everything to be excited about if you're a Kyle Busch fan. Huge win here. Well-deserving. And let me tell you, this eight car is a force to be reckoned with. I don't think hardly anyone truly thought that he was going to be running this good. I didn't think he was going to fall apart. I didn't think it was going to be something like Brad Keselowski not getting any wins in the season for his first year. I figured he'd get one or two, but he's been competitive in all three races we've had so far. The Expedition race, he was competitive. The Daytona 500 in a backup car, he was this close from winning it. And then here at Auto Club, he gets the victory. I don't think there's anything slowing down Kyle Busch. If you're a Kyle Busch fan, things look really, really good. If you're an RCR fan, you are really excited about this change because this was definitely a step in the right direction. You're just seeing it in the performance for both the number eight and number three car. And if you're a Joe Gibbs Racing fan, you are scared because you you do not know what is going to happen here in the next couple of seasons. After If Kyle Busch runs really good this season and Joe Gibbs Racing runs mediocre, Expect Martin Trex Jr., Denny Hamlin, and even potentially Christopher Bell try to find different teams. It might very well happen. So definitely some interesting times, but either way, Kyle Busch, huge victory, and 
and when I heard the fans, they were actually excited. Maybe Kyle Busch is starting to become a likable driver. You either like the driver or hate the driver. And right now, it seems like more people are starting to like him. So great job for Kyle Busch. Great job for RCR. Great move overall. Big up for this team. A team that did struggle. Might as well include a whole manufacturer here. The Toyota Group. Just not a great performance overall. Christopher Bell starts on the pole in this race. Doesn't even finish. He was dropping like a rock in the entire race. He gets caught up in an accident on a restart. He finishes 32nd overall. Only leads one lap. And just a bad performance overall for this team. Uh, Christopher Bell should be able to bounce back at Las Vegas. But man, it it was a race that people may have had hopes for him. But another bad finish here at Fontana. He is going to be glad that they're changing the track because I don't think he's ever gotten a top 20 here at this race while being in the Cup Series. So bad run for him. Tyler Reddick, he's also not going to miss Fontana because he had a really bad weekend, finished 34th. He finished 36th in the Xfinity Series and 34th. Here's how bad of a start it is for Tyler Reddick. He has only gotten four points towards the championship. He is dead last in the points for drivers who are running for the championship. This is not a good start for that 45 team. We thought he was going to be a good fantasy pick here this weekend, but we have quickly learned that when you move on over to a new team, there's going to be some growing pains, and we can see it with the number 45 car, hardly at all with the number 8 car, so this will be very interesting to see. I think moving on into the next couple of weeks, I think it's best to keep Tyler Reddick off the fantasy rosters um, just to see if he's able to bounce back. I think Las Vegas should be a better run for him, but we also thought that in this race, so who knows? 34th place finish for Tyler Reddick, not looking good right now. Bubba Wallace in the 23, uh, he got engine issues due to a lot of debris that was on the racetrack. We will talk about that here in a second. Not able to finish. He finishes 30th overall in this race. And the only Toyota to really lead any laps here was the number 11 of Denny Hamlin. He was honestly, I do believe, the only one. And at some points, he did look very competitive and a contender to run for the victory. But in the end, you saw the Chevrolets slowly but surely pulled away from him. And um, his teammates, Martin Trex Jr., loses a tire in the race, goes two laps down, able to bounce back and finish 11th. So great bounce back for him. But, you know, when you lose a tire, you lose some crew members. It's not going to be nearly as long as what it was last season, but that's going to affect the team moving forward. Ty Gibbs, he's a rookie. I'd say it was a decent run for him. Was not able to score stage points, finished 16th, but never really a front runner. So bad turnout for the Toyotas. It's going to be a thumbs down. And unfortunately, their 2022 season started out rough. Right now in 2023, it's about the same thing. Let's go back to a more positive route and talk about Trackhouse Racing. That team overall really impressed us. The number one of Ross Chastain, we didn't even have as a pick. And shame on us. Shame on us for not thinking that Ross Chastain could run good in this race. I think we were just worried how his results looked the past couple of years, but we need to truly understand that Trackhouse Racing is a force to be reckoned with once again, and they proved it with a third and fourth place finish. Both drivers ran really, really well. Ross Chastain scored uh, two stage wins, so if you did throw Ross Chastain on your fantasy team, great job. You did not listen to me, and I'm proud of you because he was the one who scored the most sta- uh, most fantasy points overall here this weekend. And shout out to Daniel Suarez. We thought he was a driver to take a gamble on, and it really paid off. Just 
running in the top five throughout the entire race. Uh, that's got to really feel good for Trackhouse Racing. Still have a lot of momentum. It just shows that the first season for them being a two-car team was not a fluke because they're already coming here to the second year already with a lot of momentum. I think Vegas, they're going to be a really good team to go with now because we're they're already showing that, hey, we ain't slowing down. We're just picking up. And also give credit to RFK Racing. More, more specifically, Brad Keselowski in the number six car. Brad Keselowski does really like this track. Uh, we saw it in his past performances with Penske. He had good finishes. Last year, wasn't even running in the top 20 hardly at all in that race. And, he, and this race, it looked like it was going to be about the same. He gets caught up in his incident. I think he was a spin out by himself on lap number 43, right around there. And he was still able to bounce back and able to finish in the top 10. And we got to give kudos to NASCAR on that one because if you remember last year when drivers spun out, they were going to go six laps down. And major improvements on their part because Brad Keselowski, he did go a lap down, but it's nowhere near comparable to four laps down. I mean, at that point, your your race is done. There you can bounce back and you saw it here with the number six machine. Top 10 finish, I think that team is going to be really happy. Still carrying that momentum from Daytona. Let's see if it does the same thing for Las Vegas. They weren't really the strongest last year when it came to mile and a half tracks, but hey, they weren't strong at the two mile race tracks either. And look at them getting a seventh place finish and 13th place finish as a team. And right behind them, Corey LaJoy in the number seven. Biggest shocker, in my personal opinion, here in the top 15. Able to run near the front the entire race. He got caught up in an incident, and that was very unfortunate. But you know what? He was still able to come back and have himself a great run. Spire Motorsports is not a team that usually runs up front. So for them to have one car be able to do that, very, very impressive. And it wasn't a super speedway either. Yes, it's a two-mile racetrack, but it's not packed racing. They just had themselves some really good equipment with this number seven car. It definitely did not show with the number 77 car. I don't know what's going on over there. It's just one tar- one car is doing decent while the other car is doing atrocious. Um, so hopefully they can adjust on that. But yeah, that team has nothing to be ashamed of. Kudos to Corey LaJoy and the number seven team. Let's move on to another down in this race. And I don't know how much you can blame NASCAR or even the track for it. But definitely the weather was a down and it probably affected the race more so than what we thought it was going to. A lot of people were worried about weepers. If you're not sure what weepers are, it's water that is that comes up from the track. So they were really afraid if they were going to be running on it, water would just come out of nowhere and it would take out some cars. Luckily, that did not happen. And we are very thankful for that. Last thing we want to see is a car going 200 miles into a turn and then losing control and hitting the wall. We saw that at Daytona. That's scary enough. We don't want to see that again here this season season however with that being said we did see it play an effect here in this race one person being Kyle Larson with electrical issues they probably could have spotted that in practice and qualifying but unfortunately they were not able to test the car at all or even run any practice laps and it affected them they were able to get back out on the track but they were 15 laps down never able to gain a lap back that's just a bummer It's an absolute bummer because we knew he was going to do really good here in this race. You even saw it there near the end. He was still um, poking his head around the top 10. I'm pretty sure if he was on the lead lap, he would have been doing a lot better. He would have pushed the car harder. 
and just didn't pay out. It was just bad luck. You really can't blame the number five car for that. It's just one of those things you're not going to catch unless you have practice. So there's nothing you can say about that. But also the debris on the racetrack was pretty bad. It was a really dirty racetrack. It affected quite a few cars. You saw multiple cars with engine issues. Biggest one being Bubba Wallace. There was a lot of cars where the splitter got really chewed up just by how much junk was getting hit on the track. At one point, there was a black cat on the track. You can't blame the track for that. But still, that was just unbelievable that, that there was a cat that was that people took photos of. They were like, uh, there's an animal out on the track. They ain't throwing a caution. I, I don't know what happened to the cat. Someone says it may have got hit. I I hope that's not the case. That's a horrendous thing to happen. But the main point I'm trying to get through is it was a dirty track. And you even saw it in the Xfinity series. I forgot to cover this. But even the leaders, if you were up front, your car could get a lot of debris. And John Hunter Nemechek had so much debris on the front of his car that it started to overheat. Water was spewing. Luckily, he was able to get it to the finish line. But still, you expect a professional race not to have any track problems. And unfortunately, in a way, that is a track problem. So we have to give a thumbs down. But really, there wasn't too much things to complain about here in this race. The competition was fun. The strategies was a lot of fun to see on pit road. The restarts were a blast. The cars were passing left and right. So really, yes, we got to critique the track for that. But they still put on one hell of a show. Let's look at some key points here in the race. One being on one of the restarts where we had a big accident on the front straightaway, which took out a plenty of top contenders, which includes Eric Amarola, Ryan Priest, Christopher Bell, as we just mentioned. I think Austin Sindrick got some damage in that. Ryan Blaney got damage. And it was thanks to a crappy restart by Joey Logano. He was the controlling car. And he used that to his advantage and it created a huge backup there uh, in the middle of the pack and caused a big accident. Do you blame Joey Logano for this? You can, but he is the controller and people mistimed it. They were thinking that he was going to gun it right when he hit the restart box. That wasn't the case. And now it's something that we look at. Maybe the restart box being expanded was not a good idea. I, I, I don't think this one incident is going to make us completely change our thought process on it. But now we look at kind of the negatives on what it's like to have a larger restart box. I've always hated the idea of the leader just messing with the restart. Like, oh, when am I going to go? I'm going to go when you least suspect it. You can't pass me because you'll get black flagged. But at the same time, uh, double file restarts, you, you, that's just what's going to happen sometimes. You just got to predict when the leader's going to go and... That just was one of those unfortunate events and uh, shame on Joey Logano for that because he took out his teammate who was a front runner in this race. He was running really good. Ryan Blaney's always expected to do good at Auto Club and he was looking to do that once again and gets caught up in a wreck, puts some multiple laps down and just affects a lot of fantasy teams including my own because I had him on my list. And yeah, he finishes 26. Uh, A really hard blow there, but it is what it is. Eric Amarola been notorious for getting top 10s here. And it looks like he was struggling more than what we wanted him to. And he finished 35th because of that wreck. So definitely a hard blow for a lot of people there who had him on their fantasy rosters. Uh, So 
if you want to blame someone, blame Joey Logano. But again, he gets to control the restart, so uh, you can blame the restart box being extended. It's just one of those unfortunate events, but it was a game changer in the race nonetheless. The green flag pit stops definitely create a lot of chaos here in this race positive chaos it wasn't something like oh my gosh everything's getting ruined for it you were just wondering who was going to go down pit road first was it best to stay out you had people stay out to the very end kudos to michael mcdowell for that strategy he was able to lead six laps and i think it kind of paid off in the end because i think he was running like 21st 22nd and he was able to finish 18th but the green flag pit stops that's what helped people like kyle bush get up ahead and that's how they were able to get the victory and it also affected drivers like Alex Bowman, Joey Logano, Martin Trex Jr., they had good running cars, and then all of a sudden, they just lose a few positions here and there, and Martin Trex Jr., he loses a tire, so that's a big blow to that team, and they were just not able to be there towards the end, so green flag pit stops played a huge vital role in this race, and people like Kyle Busch was able to shine when it mattered the most, get in the victory, and run near the front. Uh, last thing we, we can talk about is that a lot of people were critiquing, I would say was definitely the commentary side. You know, we were talking about Sheldon Creed as he almost hit the wall. And Joey Logano and Ryan Blaney, they're actually a lot of fun to listen to. They they actually provide a lot of excitement. Adam Alexander, I've always appreciated him. I don't consider him at the same level as Alan Beskwick or Mike Joy. But he's still really talented, and I'm glad that they give him an opportunity for the Xfinity Series to call those races because he does a good job. But the point I'm trying to make is they were really surprised. You could tell that they were absolutely enjoying it. And then you had an incident similar to that with A.J. Allmendinger, and Clint Boyer doesn't really say anything. He's just like, whoa, well, that's a caution, when when in reality that was actually going to be a pretty scary incident. I I – don't know what's going on with Fox, but it's a little bit of lack of excitement up in the announcer's booth, and I'm not sure why. I, I don't know if these guys are really clicking the best. I, I really like Clint Boyer. I really, really like Mike Joy, and I like the idea of the drivers coming around or having special people come up there to announce from time to time. I mean, Tony Stewart coming up there has been great. He, he has made it pretty entertaining. Danica Patrick, we'll see how she does, but... It was just if you're gonna try to make the race sound exciting, you got to be excited for a lot of stuff for most incidents, and that's one of them. You got to show like some concern, and they didn't really show it. So if they're not gonna be excited about it, why should we? Overall, this race was a lot of fun. I think the fans mostly agree that this was a good race, and people are really bummed out that it's not gonna be on the schedule anymore. And I. I'm going to be bummed out too. I really, really enjoyed the style of racing we got with the next-gen car. At the same time, I do understand why they made the change. Uh, it was it was proposed and accepted during a time when intermediate tracks were not that exciting. Uh, competitive side, I'd say give it an uh, 8 out of 10 just for the simple fact that you had one guy dominate for the first half of the race. Other than that, you did, did not know who was really going to be victorious there near the end. Kyle Busch was able to pull it off. Uh, memorability I think it's going to be really high up there in a lot of people's memory banks just for the simple fact that Kyle Busch was able to win the last race here and he always puts on pretty exciting wins at this racetrack so good for him Uh, start for his RCR career and it will be missed it will definitely be missed but what a great way for them to end on this two-mile racetrack
And that will conclude today's episode of the Fantasy Filler Podcast. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Here were the top performers as far as fantasy points go in the driver's side. The best performing one was Ross Chastain with 54 points thanks to his two stage wins. The second spot was Kyle Busch in the number eight with a victory and 49 points. Daniel Suarez sits in third with 47. And then tied for fourth and fifth, you had Kevin Harvick in the number four and Denny Hamlin in the number 11. If you guys had those five in your spots, then congratulations. You guys absolutely dominated in your picks. As far as for the pickums, the people who were able to get those correctly was Ricky Stenhouse. If you went with Ricky Stenhouse, you got 10 points there. Austin Dillon was able to finish ninth and able to beat Eric Jones. Alex Bowman was able to beat Tyler Reddick. And Chase Elliott was able to beat Kyle Larson. So we got two of them right, but we know we wanted to give everyone all four. It was just the way it is. And lastly, the most important thing to talk about was the top three finishers in our league here for this weekend. The top performer with uh, 242 points. Incredible job to Mr. Ryan underscore T. You were the top performer here this weekend in our fantasy league. In second place, we had Chevy Driven with three in the replacement of E. He was able to score 232. And then round out the top three with a Truex fan, 2022, with 227. Lots of you guys were able to score 200 plus points. So 11 of you guys in the fantasy league were able to do that. Two people just missed it out with 199. So, hey. We did have some bad calls, but you guys were able to pick the right people, and this is what makes one of these this league here one of the most competitive leagues. So thank you guys so much. If you still want to join that league, you can do so. Uh, go to fantasygames.nascar.com at NASCAR Fantasy Fillers League. It's been a lot of fun, and it's been super competitive. I mean, just in the top three. Ryan uh, Ryan underscore T is in first place with 395 points. So if you want to win this, you're going to have to score 200 points a weekend. That's how crazy it is. Lots of fun. Again, NASCAR Fantasy Fillers League on fantasygames.nascar.com. If you want to follow me on social media, you can do so on TikTok, uh, Twitter, and YouTube. Just look up Vanilla Wafers, and trust me, I will pop up on TikTok. I've been posting about four to five episodes or videos a week. And they're guests of NASCAR drivers as well as NASCAR therapy. Everyone loves those NASCAR therapies. And, I, and I'm very appreciative of you guys like them. As well as some card openings where we're trying to find Mario Andretti. Uh, no luck on that yet. But we, we hope to be more, a little bit more optimistic. And maybe, just maybe, we'll be able to turn one of those cards around. And it will be a signed card by Mario Andretti. YouTube side, we have hit some big milestones in my opinion, getting 3,000 subscribers as well as getting a million views. Unbelievable numbers there, and I thank you guys so much for that. That's just at Vanilla Wafers. I'm going to try to post a video before the Las Vegas weekend. It's going to be talking about the 10 track modifications that we have seen in recent history. It may not be the most exciting title in the world, but it's actually quite fun looking back at the tracks that got modified and seeing whether or not it was a good thing or a bad thing. So that will be posted sometime here this weekend as I will be at Las Vegas Motor Speedway for the entire weekend. And I'm going to be on the number 78 car with Circle B Diecast. Incredible opportunity that they have provided for me there. I'm going to be doing the VIP experience. Never thought in a million years I'd be able to do that. But man, just a lot of growth in the podcast, 
TikTok, YouTube. It's all thanks to you guys. Thank you so much. And I hope to see you guys there. I really do. It's I always run into quite a few people and I'll have some stickers for you guys. I don't put them up for anybody. If you guys know who I am, I'm just going to give you a sticker. You can put it on your car or you want to put it on your hydro flask, maybe your laptop. I don't care. I just want to make sure you guys get stickers from me and I just want to meet you guys. So again, I'll be at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. You'll, you can find me out in the garage area. I'll mostly be there the entire weekend. And then if you want to talk to me during the race, you can do so on Twitter. Uh, I've had a few people been asking me questions there every single time on race day. It's a lot of fun to communicate with you guys. And I just like to post random stuff about the race and people seem to enjoy it. Uh, we should have an episode on Friday with um, a special guest or to. I will let you guys know who that is going to be. Uh, more than likely, it's going to be probably one of the regulars that you've seen in the last couple of episodes. Guys have really enjoyed that. I've seen the growth, so thank you so much. Uh, let's wrap things up here. I have been your host, Vanilla Wafers, and I have been able to take you to the front of the field, so why don't we grab that checkered flag, do some burnouts, and head on out. So you all take care. This has been the Fantasy Filler Podcast. <laughs>